0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It really is a dawn of a new day in capital and equity investments. We are going to be talking to the goddess of crowdfunding. And I'm not kidding. Stay tuned here. Listen up. Because Ruth Hedges, who is the CEO of Unismart Capital Software, Inc., who's the creator and key architect of the Funding Roadmap online licensable platform, is responsible for pioneering a new and innovative virtual system for business planning and due diligence reporting on the cloud. She is the creator of Global Crowdfunding Day, which takes place on April 5th, my mother's birthday, by the way, and it's no accident it happened on this day because my mother watched me for years complain about the structure and criteria for raising money and how inequitable and unconscionable it is. And the fact that this Global Crowdfunding Day is occurring is fantastic. Ruth has worked on the most important laws that have changed, the actual creation of the new laws on raising money online. She actually was part of writing the initial document. She has many gifts and abilities. She is a board member of the Governance Committee for the Crowdfunding Professional Association known as CFPA and is a founding board member of Crowdfund Intermediary Regulatory Advocates, CFIRA. She's a council member of the Crowdfunding Accreditation for Platform Standards, CAPS program, which is an initiative by crowdsourcing.org to promote the adoption of the best practices for the operation of crowdfunding platforms globally. She's featured in the Chronicle of Philanthropy, as well as the New York Times, the L.A. Times, People Magazine, for her work with Oxfam America and the Hollywood Hunger Banquets. She's featured on all of the networks, including the Financial News Network, who produced a two-part series on Miss Hedges for the show American Entrepreneur. Boy, she rocks and rolls. She is also a founder of Crowdfunding Roadmap, which is coming up on October 14th in Henderson, Nevada. It's the second annual global crowdfunding convention and boot camp where people come from different parts of the world who are business owners, entrepreneurs, investors, crowdfunding professionals, and enthusiasts. Funding portals, investment bankers, financial advisors, venture capitalists, angels, incubators, business coaches, mentors, secondary stock specialists, equity analysts, journalists, as well as tax legal and regulatory experts. Wow, it is my divine pleasure and an honor to welcome this crowdfunding goddess, Ruth Hedges, to its rainmaking time. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Kim. Thank you so much. Well, it's all wow, true. Um, I was wondering who you were talking about. <laughs>
0: They all wonder when they're introduced, but if they're being introduced, they're important. That's the most important thing. Thank you. Many, many years ago, before It's Rainmaking Time came to be officially, I searched out Muhammad Yunus in Bangladesh and did an interview with him and sent it all over the United States because I felt his work was a kind of crowdsourcing platform that was person to person, but not over a computer. And then I started to look at all the different criteria of what was in the way of people being funded in these startups and I isolated every facet of it and came up with something 25 years ago, but it was so early, crowdfunding as a name never existed. So I want to tell you, timing really makes a difference. Also, you are so uniquely suited to have done everything that you're doing and to be doing what you're doing, to really be the point person in this. And I'm so honored to have you here. Welcome again to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that.
0: Talk a little bit about the new laws We had Michael Markowski on uh, actually a year ago in October, talked about the new laws coming in. I really didn't know if they were going to happen. Talk about the law that you help write and structure.
1: We wrote what's called Title III of the JOBS Act. And basically what it does is it allows anybody in the United States, a U.S. citizen, based on their income, to be able to invest in a crowdfunded, registered business looking to raise capital, that business has to be working with a registered funding portal or broker-dealer, but they can go out on the internet and they can solicit any one of 300 million Americans. And this is really you know, a game changer because up until this point, you had to be an accredited investor. You had to go to an angel. You had to go to a VC. You had to go to a bank. You had to have credit and collateral and assets and all kinds of other things. And now, as soon as the SEC and then FINRA completes the rulemaking and the procedure on how this is all going to be facilitated, any entrepreneur who has a U.S. corporation will be able to go to a funding portal and list their offering as long as they meet the requirements of disclosure. And any registered American who's willing to go through the disclosure of their income, social security number, driver's license, all that kind of stuff, will then be able to invest in startups and established businesses that are offering to sell equity in their company in a way we've never done before.
0: Suppose you have people that are sitting with a trust and they don't have traditional income. They're just sitting on a trust. They have millions or hundreds and thousands of dollars and they're ready to go. Are you telling me in this new system that if the U.S. government deems you don't have an acceptable income, you can't invest?
1: are they earning interest? Yeah, may- maybe trust? the
0: trust is earning interest. Maybe they don't work at all. They just sit fat on their trust.
1: You'd have to talk to a securities lawyer about that. I wouldn't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, What about a company that wants to invest? We're mixing apples and oranges here. Okay. Title II is the form of crowdfunding, which started on Monday. The ban on general solicitation was lifted. And people who register do a Reg C, not a Reg D, but a Reg C, can raise as much money as they want from whomever they want. That's a form of crowdfunding because the general solicitation rule has been lifted. So now the crowd of accredited investors, which is somewhere around 8.7 million people, can now start to be exposed to all these different offerings, which normally they weren't exposed to. I mean, there is this myth, basically, that all these business plans that people are writing were somehow being seen by millions of wealthy people who were rejecting them. But the truth is they weren't even being seen. Because only about 750,000 accredited investor, angel, VC-type people invest in those business plans every year. So it's only a fraction of the 8.7 million people who could legally invest in them, but they never saw them. So now, because of the ban on general solicitation, you could be driving by a billboard, a bus bench. You could have a full-page ad in a newspaper, a magazine, and be exposed to these offerings. And that's part of Title II. But Title III is a very limited, specifically structured thing. There's a cap. You can only raise a million dollars in any given year. You can't take more than $2,000 from most Americans who earn below $40,000 a year. If they make between forty dollars and $100,000, it's 5% of their income. And the most that you can take from any of the wealthiest people in the United States even a Bill Gates, is $100,000.
0: What do you think about that, Ruth, honestly?
1: Oh, I don't like it at all. I think it's disgusting. This was not part of, you know, you have to understand the original draft of this was very different than what we ended up with, and it went through the House. They made changes, and it went through the Senate. They made changes, and they voted, and we got what we got. And hopefully we'll be able to go back and make changes. What we're hoping is they just start the process because we can't figure out what's going to work and what's not unless we're doing it. And the SEC has been holding this up. They've missed two deadlines. The first was July 30th, which was for Title II, which just started on Monday, September 2013, when it was supposed to be starting in July of 2013. Title III was supposed to start January 1st of this year, and we haven't seen any of the rules for Title III.
0: At the moment, with your current knowledge and understanding and experience, are the portals changing? In other words, is the government now a part of a hybridized part of all the
1: portals of crowdfunding? There's a difference between a portal and a website. Right now, there are crowdfunding websites, six, 700 of them around the world. They do what's called reward-based crowdfunding, and they can raise as much money as they want. There's no limitations on that at all, which is really what's so strange about all of this, because there's no regulations around that. There's nothing. It's like a free-for-all. And it works. There's very little fraud. There's very little problems with the system at all. The minute you throw in a stock certificate, it somehow changes everything. That's why we needed all these regulations. And it's stifling innovation. It's paralyzing job creation. Totally. And it's wrong on every level. And I don't understand. We are free to do whatever we want in this country with our money. Supposedly. Supposedly, right? We can buy as many lottery tickets as we want. We can go to a craps table and put our entire paycheck down on a craps table, or our life savings, or anything else we want. I mean, we can go and shop and buy a $20,000 pocketbook. We have the freedom to do what we want in this country, except when it comes to investing. All of a sudden, we need somebody to manage, take care of us, protect us. It's a gamble. I mean, we have a very high failure rate in this country. Three out of every four startups fail. In the first three to five years. So wh- whoever's investing in those companies, there's a high rate of loss. But it's never stopped us because the ones that do make it, like the ones that win the lottery, win big. And people are willing to take that chance and gamble their money. And they should be able to gamble their money on a startup. But we've prevented them from doing that. And because we've prevented them from doing that, we have harmed our whole economy college students are graduating with all of this debt and they don't have any education in entrepreneurship. That should be part of the education they get. So at least if they can't get a job, they could become self-employed and start their own business. And they could be taking all the knowledge they just learned and putting it back into the economy. But we don't have a system for that.
0: When you first talked about the crowdsourcing or the crowd-investing sites, I think six or 700 that are not regulated, is it because those businesses are just general businesses? They're not signed up with the SEC? They're not public? They don't have offerings?
1: Not at all. They could be any or all of those. A $100 million was crowdfunded on Kickstarter in the film industry alone. 10% of the films at Sundance are crowdfunded. You just don't own any equity. Now, What we've done with Title III is, when it's finally legal to do this, imagine if Harry Potter had been crowdfunded, the first published book, and you owned a piece of that entire franchise, or Batman or any of these other entertainment entities that have become multiple billion-dollar entities, even restaurants. I mean, you could crowdfund right now on Kickstarter a small little hamburger joint. When you're able to do this with equity, then you could own a piece of a McDonald's.
0: I always was under the assumption, false or not, that something like Kickstarter at the moment is like a gifting thing.
1: It is a gifting. If okay. It's called reward-based crowdfunding. There's no equity. That's what I'm saying. Right. right now, you can't own a piece of any of those films. When it's legal to finally crowdfund for securities, if those same films or new films – are crowdfunded, then you would not only potentially own a piece of the film, but you can own a piece of the franchise that might develop from that film.
0: That's why I asked you what I considered as one of the key questions, which you did answer, which is that eventually we have to be liberated as investors to invest in whatever it is that we want, no matter what our past income is. I mean, that whole thing is bizarre.
1: No, it is. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre control. Antiquated. It's, it's putting controls on things that... And why does the government want my my ID,
0: what I'm investing in? It's none of their business. Seriously. I I
1: completely agree with you. Unfortunately, this is the bill that we got. Now, if Congress could get their act together and actually work together, we could get some changes made. But the chances of that are slim and none at this point. So what we're saying essentially is let's get this thing started. Right. Let's see how it works. It's not going to be for everybody. No more than an SBA loan is for everybody. Sure. Or venture capital. I mean, look at the only 1% of the people that apply for venture capital get funded. So that surely isn't working for everybody.
0: Right, well there's not really a whole systems approach to funding really yet. Crowdsourcing is inching up towards something connected to that, but it's not all there yet. But I'm so excited what you're doing. Talk to us about your conference.
1: You had the first one last year, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Talk about it. When the bill came out on April 5th, two of my business partners that I worked with, a group of other people to help write this framework, And to also walk the halls of Congress, get signatures, all of this stuff to get the Jobs Act passed, the crowdfunding bill and the Jobs Act, were at the White House. And I got a phone call the moment the president signed the bill, thanking me and congratulating me for my work. And I got online and I looked at what was passed and I realized, oh, my God, (laughs) I don't know anybody that's going to be able to do this. Somebody's got to start educating the public. So because I'm a software developer and I have a product called Funding Roadmap, which is a business plan and due diligence reporting system, coincidentally, very much applicable to the same disclosure requirements that was now in this bill, I thought, wow, I'm the perfect person to do this because I understand all this. So I thought I'm going to put on kind of a little boot camp. Well, this kind of little boot camp turned out to be the largest crowdfunding convention in the world last year. And then I went, wow, I may be onto something here. (laughs) I live in Las Vegas. This is, we have the 25 largest conventions anywhere in the world are in Las Vegas. Maybe I'll make this this 26th. And so this year we expanded it three days. We have people coming from seven or eight countries. We have the industry leaders from all over coming here and experts, and we're covering everything. I mean, things for financial advisors. There's like 30,000 independent financial advisors in this country, and then the other ones, and I can guarantee you none of them know anything about this. So what's going to happen when all these people go to their financial advisors and say, hey, I just heard of this offering. What do you think? Should I put some of my money and crowdfund and do this? And the financial advisors are going to go, what's crowdfunding? Because nobody's doing anything to educate them. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to cover everybody. We have the entire spectrum. We have people from Hollywood coming to talk about how to successfully crowdfund a film. We have CPAs coming, we have Doug Elenoff who's one of the most esteemed lawyers in this country on crowdfunding, all of the legal requirements. We've got Jay Abraham coming to talk about marketing. We've got Doug Atkins coming from Guggenheim. We've got Tim Draper coming. And everybody in between, people coming to talk about how to make a great video, people talking about how to get press, how to use social media marketing, it's a process. It's a very big process. It's not something you impulsively do. So you don't wake up and say, hey, let's go try and raise $100,000 on Kickstarter <laughs> in a couple of weeks. It'll never work. And you surely can't do that when the equity starts because you have to prepare a current business plan. You have to have either audited or certified or self-certified financial statements. You have to have a valuation that you can defend and a whole bunch of other disclosure documents. So none of that's going to happen quickly from almost any company I know. And secondly, you have to have what we call social capital. So you have to have lots of fans, followers, and friends. And if you're going to do equity-based crowdfunding, you need probably four or five times more of those fans, followers, and friends than you would... If you were doing just reward based crowdfunding because you have to convince them to disclose lots of information to the SEC before they're even eligible to give you their money or investment. and
0: and isn't that different than any other type of investment process? If an investor wants to put up fifty grand or ten grand or hundred grand somewhere, does that investor have to give
1: all that information? They have to sign a subscription doc confirming that they are a credit investor right. Now it's more stringent. The issuer has to go to great lengths to confirm whatever the investor says is absolutely true, that they are an accredited investor if you're doing Title II.
0: So you still need to be accredited?
1: For Title II, you need to be accredited. For Title III, when it comes out, we still can't do Title III. We can only do Title II right now. We can't do Title III which is the one applicable to 300 million Americans, because the SEC is panicked, like beyond belief, that somehow all these people are going to get ripped off and they have to do everything they can to protect them. They're going to strangle the entire process. They're going to make it so ridiculously complicated and terrifying for most Americans who've never invested that they just won't even bother.
0: That's exactly my concern. And that is exactly what's disturbing about this. And the devil really is in the details, right?
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. But, but again, most Americans will only legally be able to invest anywhere from two dollars to $5,000 in any 12-month period anyways, because that's already in the bill. So what are they afraid of is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Because you could come to Las Vegas and you could lose $2,000 on a bad vacation or anywhere in the country. Or you could buy something you don't like and not be able to return it. I mean, that is not a life-changing amount of money. If you invested $2,000 in a startup and you lost that money, your life is not going to be ruined. Do you think they exactly go the pro- bankrupt in this country because they get sick? No fault of their own. They end up in a hospital in this country and more people go bankrupt from that experience than anything else combined. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
0: You're smart. You pay attention to evidence. Go get Pure Vitamin C at PureCLLC.com. Prevent colds. And if you have them, get rid of them quickly. If you have heart disease, take pure vitamin C. If you don't have heart disease, prevent it. And above all, make sure you get this brand of vitamin C that is GMO-free, corn-free, China-free, and manufactured in the United States of America. Pure C LLC. Go get yourself some. Before we get back to the interview with Ruth Hedges of Crowdfunding Roadmap, I want you to consider that the water we drink is crucial to our health and well-being. I also want you to consider that chronic dehydration is the precursor to a disease state. The work of Dr. Batmangelich demonstrates this. Many of us are trying to find alkalized water to drink, thinking that's going to be the answer to impacting our health and well-being Most of us don't know that if we cannot get our body hydrated, we cannot achieve continuous alkalinity, which is a promoter of health and well-being. The physics of water is totally distinct from the chemistry of water. And until you understand what that means to health and wellness, you can be lost in trying to understand what is good, healthy water to drink. Dr. Jacques Benveniste was right when he said that water has memory and is alive. And Dan Nelson is right when he says there's a distinction between irrigating the body and hydrating it. And most of us attempt to hydrate it by drinking more water. Cells cannot assimilate most of the water that we drink. So our cells are dehydrated all the time. Learn the science about this by going to the Positron Group and consider purchasing Wayback Water, the fast track to hydration by Dan Nelson, who's a physicist, an educator, and a man who's committed that we have healthy, remarkable drinking water. Go to waybackwater.com or call Nancy Ainsley at 870-741-5877. And back to the show, in your position and given everything you've been involved in and are doing right now and the past, I totally understand why you're like, okay, let's just get something started. I get that. The thing is, it reminds me a little bit of the medical package that was passed. And then people go, just put something in and then we'll go back and try to change something. Do you honestly feel, think that once the thing starts and there's a something to work with that we're going to be able to go back in and impact The details of changes that actually keep people from getting
1: involved. What I'm saying is even if we can't change one thing in the crowdfunding bill, it's still better than what we have now, which is it's number one, 300 million. Most of the people in this country are left out of an opportunity to put their money into an Instagram a Facebook, a Twitter, a Microsoft, a Yahoo, or any of those. Did you ever see any of those business plans? No, never did. No, I never did. Most people in this country never get access to that kind of deals until they're public. So that's already worse. the other parts of this, the crazy-making stuff. The second part of this is that we have 10 million people a year, according to the SBA, who attempt to start a new business. And majority of them never get it off the ground because they can't get access to capital. And we need those people to get access to capital because they are the job creators. I mean, startups create 60% of all the jobs in this country, much more than Fortune 500 companies do. So why wouldn't we want to make sure they had another way of accessing capital? I think you know what it, I'm saying?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to innovation and when it comes to any type of revolutionary solutions, that really require the funding. You know, there are disruptive solutions and discoveries that are so important and need to be funded. And crowdfunding look like this great opportunity to get several million dollars into those type of ventures and to get them rolling and to get momentum going. The thing I will tell you that gets my goat about one of the processes in crowdfunding, I've been very vocal about on my shows I've done on finance with people that are known all over the world in every area of finance is this. See, I think that businesses are not just these inanimate things. And because physics is happening in business, let's say somebody's trying to raise a million dollars and they get $800,000 worth of commitments. Now, in a rainmaking paradigm, in the paradigm in which I am aligned with, I want them to get that money. If they didn't reach their $1 million, so what? Release that money to them, let them get going. It's a huge boost of energy and commitment and flow through. Let them rock and roll. And it's much easier to raise your next round of money when money has first come in. So I'm really upset about part of the process that I think is destabilizing and lacking in motivation and is actually very negative, which is you don't get your goal. You don't get anything. I think that's totally wrong. That should be disbanded from all the crowdfunding opportunities. It shouldn't even be in there. It's like a nasty little thing. No, if you have X amount of commitments, whatever it is, you don't make it by the time your goal is, you release what's there, let them get going. They can always do another crowdfunding project, et cetera, or they could present it again. The fact is when you have commitments to money, it speaks volumes to something. The fact that somebody's off X number of hundred thousand or 50,000 or 10,000 or 5,000 and everything goes back to the people that just committed the money, absolutely treacherous. I would knock that thing right out of crowdfunding immediately. And I was very vocal with Michael Markowski about that. I said, all these crowdfunding mediums need to shift the consciousness. That little lever, that little negative thing, that little demonic piece needs to be lifted. And this needs to be liberated. Commitments speak volumes. And when people make financial commitments and they say go with their money, go. Get the momentum going. Get the energy going. It changes the physics of the operation. Go, go, go. I'm very vocal about that. You may totally disagree. And if you do, I'd like to hear why.
1: Well, first of all, let me say in reward-based crowdfunding, there are lots of websites where it's not all or nothing. You could go to Rocket Hub. You could go to Indiegogo.
0: And they don't stop it if you don't make your commitment? They don't return all the money to the people? No, you get to keep whatever you raise. Fantastic. Okay, great. I didn't know about that. I stand corrected.
1: Last year, this was a $2.7 billion industry on reward and donation-based crowdfunding alone. It's projected 2013 is going to be about $5 billion, again, on reward and donation base. Now that the ban on general solicitation has been lifted, it's going to change everything, and as soon as the SEC comes out with the rules for Title III, it's projected to be a $300 billion industry someday. But what you just said is applicable to Title III crowdfunding. So it's all or nothing when you're selling securities. If you want to raise a million dollars, and you raise $950,000 and you can't get that last fifty thousand, you will get nothing. All that money will be returned and the whole thing will have been a complete waste. What do you think
0: about that, honestly? Well
1: I think it's absolutely horrible. But there needs to be some way of measuring performance against the funding. So you can't just of course, I understand if you have a business plan that, that says I need a million dollars to scale to this point and manufacture and do this and this and that. Well if you only raised a hundred thousand and you got to keep the hundred thousand, you need to then Give your investors an opportunity. You need to then present them with a completely different plan for the 100000 They need to agree to that before their money is subjected to you. You know, you know what I'm saying? Sure, so I do. I
0: do. But do you agree in your experience that most people are afraid to ask for the real money that they need?
1: Absolutely 1,000. To the tune of maybe
0: two to three times minimum. They ask for two to three times less than they really need to get something done.
1: Yes, absolutely agree.
0: Okay. And so if you have this kind of offering, SEC regulation, first of all, you get people asking for way less. Then it may be two or three times more what they really need. So if there's something that says in the regulation, I'm sorry, if you don't hit your goal, everything goes back to everybody. What is that? And why isn't it okay to keep raising money? I meet people all the time. They constantly are raising money.
1: These are very good questions. Look, Kickstarter has a theory behind the model they built and they only want all or nothing campaigns. They think that it makes for a higher quality of an entrepreneur. You know, not all these campaigns, by the way, on reward-based crowdfunding are even companies. You know, you can have just a product. You could love to knit scarves, and you could be really good at knitting scarves, and you could have a few prototypes and say, look, you know, I just want to crowdfund $5,000 because I want to take my little prototype and go to a manufacturer and see if, you know, that kind of stuff goes on all the time on these crowdfunding sites. These people are just people. They're not even incorporated yet. Well, I think that's great. You might want to self-publish your book. You might need $5,000. You might be a struggling artist and you want to rent a studio so you could burn your first CD and you need $2,000. The majority of these reward-based campaigns are like $2,000, $5,000. Very small amounts of money. We recommend that people try this in any event before they actually launch a big million-dollar equity campaign. We recommend they go on one of these sites and just try the whole process, raise five or ten thousand dollars.
0: Can you explain to the public the distinction between like a crowdfunding site, a website, and a portal? Because they feel like they're the same, but they're different, aren't they?
1: Very different. So in the Jobs Act, the government defined the word funding portal as a legal registered entity on the internet that you has to go through certain requirements established in the Jobs Act and the SEC, and FINRA, which is what we're waiting on, some more of that stuff. Once they're registered, certified, blessed, then they can then represent the issuer and their offering to sell securities. These other sites, which are just websites with lots of campaign information, usually has like, it almost looks like a Facebook page with a video. Right. So it's a little description about you, and there's a chat space, so you can start talking with people that are interested in potentially giving you money. Remember, there's no securities involved, so it's just reward-based, where you might get a T-shirt or a baseball cap. If the guy is doing the CD, the music CD, he might give you a copy of it once he burns it, so you can enjoy his music. So that's called reward-based. You know, there's been over a million of those campaigns. Like I said, last year was $3.7 billion. The funding portal is an equity play, and they really need to understand the securities laws where the other ones don't need to because it has nothing to do with their business model.
0: How do funding portals make money then? They're going to get a percentage of every deal that goes through them.
1: Well, this is a really good question because <laughs> <laughs> they're still waiting <laughs> to figure that all out based on the rules that we're waiting on from the SEC. Ayeye. Aye, mhm.
0: Aye, aye, aye. How do you I'm going to say deploy your patience knowing what you've known for so long? How do you stay poised and calm during this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they call me the pick and the shovel of the gold rush. That's what people say. Ruth, you know, (laughs) you're really smart because everyone needed a pick and everyone needed a shovel before they got to the water's edge to start mining for gold. You already got paid. And that's essentially what my model is. And I have the platform where all this information, your business plan, the video, Even your crowdfunding campaign. So what is in a campaign? A description of what you're offering. You have to be able to market this offering in 30 days. So the whole campaign lasts about 30 days. So you have a very short period of time. If you don't meet your entire amount, then your campaign's shut down and you don't get any of the money. This is equity-based, correct? This is equity or a Kickstarter model. Okay. An all or nothing, like on Kickstarter, it's usually 30 They might have the ability to go as much as 60 days. I don't remember on Kickstarter, but majority of crowdfunding campaigns, the funding has to happen quickly. It's almost like in the housing market where, you know, if a house sits on the market too long, everybody goes, oh, there must be something wrong with this. So what we say is get 30% of the funds you're looking to raise already committed ahead of time. And so on the day you launch your campaign, all of those committed people come and flood your campaign with funding. And now all the strangers who don't know you at all see this campaign being funded and they go, wow, let me check this one out. This looks really cool. Look at all this money that just showed up today. So that's one thing. We also tell people they should have at least four people working through that 30-day period to help them promote their campaign. Definitely. That increases their success rate by 70%.
0: Wow. How did you find out that? That's profound.
1: Yeah. And 80% of all the money crowdfunded to date comes from one friend away from you. So you need to have lots of fans and followers and friends. You can't start this with, you know, a Twitter account that has 50 followers on it and five Facebook friends and you know what I mean? Yes. And and no real email list. You also have to have a targeted marketing strategy. So if you're in the music business, you need to have all of that social media marketing built up around people who would want to invest in a music entity or You know, if you're a scientist and you have a pharmaceutical product that you're trying to get funding for, you don't want to have 5,000 followers on Twitter that would never invest in a pharmaceutical product. So this is why I'm saying this is not something you impulsively do. You have to have a whole plan and a strategy and crowdfunding roadmap, my product, helps you create all of that. We walk you through the entire thing. There's a crowdfunding task and action plan. There's the crowdfunding report, which is what you would need to file with the SEC once they finally get their act together. There's a standardized business plan. There's a due diligence reporting system. There are performa financials with all the calculations built in. And there's even a place for you to store your video of a prototype of a product, maybe an interview with your management team. And then there's a repository. So you can upload articles of incorporation, bank statements, tax returns, anything that you might have to disclose for any form of funding.
0: Who would go to the Funding Roadmap? These are all the people that are looking to raise money, correct? Correct. And that's at FundingRoadmap.com? Yes, FundingRoadmap.com or CrowdFundingRoadmap.com.
1: They both go to the same direction.
0: And how much does it cost? Is that there on the site?
1: Or It's $99 for the CrowdFunding Roadmap a year. It's a subscription-based model. Very fair. And it's very fair. I mean, you can use this for PPM. So, for example, if you had, to, were going to go to a lawyer to have a private placement memorandum drafted for a registered offering, you're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars, but if you gave them access, a secure login and password, to a filled-out funding roadmap or crowdfunding roadmap product, you could save thousands and thousands of dollars because they would be able to capture all this information directly out of the platform and then repurpose it into a PPM a lot faster, quicker, and more completely because of the amount of information that's in there.
0: I have a very wild question for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Regulation D, there's a lot of people that really were frustrated with the regulations of the SEC. And so a lot of people started to do these Regulation D offerings because you could raise, what was it, a million dollars without having to go through the SEC. Then there was a little bit of backlash about Regulation D But I think Regulation D reminds me a little bit like, even though it's an investment offering, it reminds me of reward-based crowdfunding in the sense that you could go to anybody. um, They didn't have to be accredited investors. What do you think of Regulation D offerings?
1: I am not a lawyer or a securities lawyer. Right. And so I don't like to speak publicly about anything like that because I'm don't want people to use my information to make decisions on any of this stuff, since that's not my thing.
0: With that being said and respected, do you have any feeling about Regulation D if you think it was a good structure to have been created?
1: Again, like I said, this is not my ear of expertise. I hear you. So I don't really want to get into it. I got it. Okay.
0: What do you think about Ben Strawhan, a partner at Perkins Cole, the international law firm who thought that just because crowdfunding is being opened up doesn't mean there'll be more investors necessarily rushing to invest in startups? Is that skeptical of them? Why would they say that?
1: It's bizarre. Well, so there's a lot of people that are creating fear They're creating conversations around fraud. They're creating conversations around the fact that this is not a viable process or procedure. They want to control the money. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Uh, Exactly. You know, 99% of the world's wealth is controlled by 1% of the people on this planet. That's wrong. We can't sustain that type of greed. It is crippling every single economy in the world. It's not working, people. Definitely not. It's not working. You can't expect people. There is twice as much poor people in this country than there was five years ago. And where do you think they came from? The middle class. Totally get it. This is not working on any level. Capitalism wasn't made to divide us. It was supposed to connect us. It was supposed to give everyone a fair shot at having the American dream. And we have crippled it. We've destroyed it because of a bunch of greedy people.
0: And greedy regulations and And inequitable regulations.
1: Those greedy regulations come out of lobbyists who are controlled by wealthy people. We don't have a say in those rules. We don't march and encourage the government to create that nonsense because it's not in our best interest. It's in the best interest of a very small percentage of very, very wealthy people who just keep getting wealthier and the middle class just keep getting poorer.
0: Do you remember Dr. Muhammad Yunus's Grameen Bank? Yes. Yes, very much. You know, when he went to the Bangladeshi government to start Grameen, he said, look, I want to liberate the whole area of lending. And when he did that, he had his own structure and criteria for things, but he had to sign whatever he had to sign with them. Are you familiar with what happened to him now? No,
1: I am. No, I don't. Well, I
0: think it's useful just to bring it up because the devil really is in the details. So that's why I think that we all, including you, the goddess of crowdfunding, we need to stay vigilant and on top of this. He got Grameen going. They gave him the Nobel Prize in 2006. I interviewed him in 2003 in December. I sent that interview all over America and every radio station turned me down for that interview, by the way. So he builds it to a $2 billion organization. He starts Grameen Energy, Grameen Telecommunications. He has the Nobel Prize. He's speaking all over the world. And 18 months ago... The government of Bangladesh said to him, look, you're too old. Get the hell off the bank. You're out. Kicked him out of his own bank. What? And they're sitting with $2 billion of Grameen's funds. Wow. And got away with it. So that's why I say to you, I'm not a pessimist at all. I say to you that it's very important that we stay vigilant on the devil and the details. And that the details of this, even though I'm going to come to your conference and celebrate, and I'm already telling people about it, not just with this show, on the social media networks, they should come. Because I think that we could have this, it's already happening. Obviously, talk about kickstarting it. You're already lighting the flame of this. But I really think the United States of America needs to band together and really become involved because this is a grand occasion to have a say, to open this up and liberate it even more. You know, it's still confined. We still have shackles on with regard to this. But there's something, there's a something to step into. Right?
1: Absolutely.
0: And we're going to celebrate that something and know that we have to get the rest of the shackles off this thing. Right. We're going to celebrate the birth of the baby. The baby, though, is pinned down. That's what I'm celebrating with you. That's why we're having this conversation. So, right now, we have the roadmap, your crowdfunding roadmap. Right. You have the conference and boot camp that you're doing once a year, and you have workshops, right? When are you giving these workshops for people? I know obviously it's going to be at the conference and boot camp, but I mean after that's done, if people want to call you and have workshops in their area, will you fly out to do those workshops, yes, or do they come to you? We're putting
1: together. I have another partnership. It's called CrowdU.us, and basically this is crowdfunding curriculum that was written by a group of us, including a PhD, which I am not. <laughs> the curriculum was taught by me over the summer at UNLV, the university here in Las Vegas. Then it was integrated into the crowdfunding roadmap platform. So there's 10 hours of curriculum. There's also a library, which is going to have white papers and audio files and video files from the convention. And it's going to continuously be updated so that the students can open up a tab. They can study the 10 hours of crowdfunding curriculum. Then they can take a test. And if they pass the test, they can get a certificate of completion. And then the rest of the reporting system and planning tool is integrated in. It's all on the cloud. We're going to be creating a big marketing campaign to put this platform to do it yourself or you can use it in a classroom. All over the country, we want CPA firms to train their CPAs. We want, like I said, financial advisors. We want universities to integrate this in the 2,500 entrepreneurship courses. MBA classes should be using this. This should be part of every single small business development center's score, women in business, veterans in business.
0: You're really talking about integrating it as part of the central nervous system of everything finance and business. Yes. I got you. I got you. Now, I happen to know a little something about your past (laughs) that you told me. You told me that you are a chef, that you have gone to a wonderful school. It's just kind of sweet to know this about you because you're still cooking. You are still cooking, but you're cooking up very big things in crowdfunding, and your (laughs) kitchen is huge. And I can't wait to get to Nevada to talk to you about the kitchen and see what else may be needed in the kitchen or wanted in the kitchen. Can you talk a little bit about you? It's just kind of flavorful to hear.
1: Sure. I come from a long family of entrepreneurs. My great-grandfather came over from Ellis Island and started hanging wallpaper with my grandfather, who had nothing more than an eighth-grade education. And my grandfather looked at his father and said, you know, there's no money in hanging wallpaper. The money's in selling the wallpaper. So he opened up, when he got older, a small little paint and wallpaper store, which turned into the second largest wallpaper distributor on the East Coast for many, many years, like 45 years. My parents went into that business. My aunts and uncles, everybody worked in that business. And I learned how to be an entrepreneur at a very young age. But my passion was cooking. I actually started a catering business at 15. And then I went off to the Culinary Institute of America and graduated. And I left New York and went to California. I worked with Wolfgang Puck for a year, at a restaurant before he started Spago. Interesting. And then I started my own catering business at a private girls' school called Westlake School for Girls, which I ran. (laughs) uh, I borrowed $1,000 from my parents, and I built this large company, which had 12 employees, and I did all kinds of things. I did a dog funeral. I did box lunches (laughs) for the Revlon Corporation at the Super Bowl. I did all kinds of things, but I learned how to be an entrepreneur, and I learned all these things that I am now being able to share in my experiences, my software, my technology, and my education, coaching, and everything that I do because of my experience in in the culinary world. But I still love to cook. I mean, I absolutely love to cook. I just don't do it professionally anymore.
0: Do you do it for your
1: friends? Sure. (laughs)
0: In other words, I'm trying to find out if I get up there, do I get one of your professionally... (laughs) Uh, No, that would be negative. I will be uh, negative. You'd be deluge managing
1: managing a major convention for three days.
0: I will not be cooking. Of course not. Of course not. But I may come up again and try. (laughs) I can always try. Just show up at the hotel and. But anyway, I think it's kind of interesting to hear what somebody did before they got into something else, and you're still cooking, really, putting things together.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody says, you know, that Alicia Keys song, "This Girl Is on Fire." That's me because I believe that this is a moment for all of us. This is that moment that we all say, why didn't I act on that moment? Well, now we can all act on that moment, because this is a brand-new industry, and there's an opportunity to be part of the cottage industry that's developing if you're a service provider, if you're obviously an issuer, if you're an entrepreneur looking to start a business, and you were grappling with how was I ever going to access capital, well, now there's a whole new way for you to do it where you can control it and not the gatekeepers. You don't have to worry about bankers and VCs and angels anymore. Let's say you have an alumni. You're part of an alumni. You're part of a fraternity, a sorority, part of a temple, a church, millions of organizations, chambers of commerce. I mean, there is a crowd on every corner that we are all one degree away from. Some of those people are also unemployed. If you could compel people to gather together, launch a company together the crowd gets even bigger. The ability to actually fund that entity becomes so much quicker and faster than anything else we've ever been able to do.
0: Very, very exciting.
1: And you know, the other thing I want to say, this is a very localized, this is not about exit strategies. There are always going to be the Instagrams. Instagram started 560 days later. It was bought by Facebook for a billion dollars. Yes, those are wonderful stories. We'd all love that. But what I am excited about with crowdfunding is that it shows the best of our humanity. Because right now, people are crowdfunding with no equity at all. They're not expecting anything. They're just trying to support people's dreams. They're trying to support people's talents and people's innovation. And creating things in their town that they need. For example, maybe they need a daycare, but the daycare is like a 30-minute drive, and then they're losing a lot of time and productivity and gas money and all this stuff. So they can gather together a bunch of parents and say, look, let's open one closer by for all of us. They don't need a banker to get in the middle of that and decide whether that entity exists on Main Street USA. Now we can put whatever we want in our own cities and towns. And that's the most exciting part of this for me, how we can take the control back of the types of cities and towns and entities, products and services that we want to see and not that other boards decide should exist in this world.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Ruth Hedges, the CEO of Unismart Capital Software, Inc., the founder of FundingRoadmap.com, CrowdFundingRoadmap.com, and GlobalCrowdFundingDay.com. I hope that those of you who are listening will do what you can to be at the second CrowdFunding Roadmap convention and bootcamp at the M Resort Spa and Casino in Las Vegas. October 14th through the 16th. It's a momentous time in the history of funding and investments. And I'm so honored that you've given us the time this morning to talk with us and to share about this important moment in our history. And I hope to be able to align and work with you in whatever capacity is appropriate and meaningful to facilitate the true liberation of crowdfunding, not only in the United States, but worldwide. Thank you so much for being on its Rainmaking
1: time. Thank you so much for inviting me.